0: The FP did not ruin the career of one Jason Trost. No. A true, a true pirate. A
1: visionary with only one eye.
0: (laughs) I mean, honestly, (laughs) he
1: really only has one eye. Yeah. So the Slayer video I sent you with him in it, it's actually a trilogy. There's three <gasps> videos. You know, I was like, I feel like there's more to this. Like, there's got to be more to this story because this doesn't make any fucking sense.
0: Oh, see, I was like, is this the beginning of the story? Is it the middle of the story?
1: I think. Which one did I send you?
0: The one where he fights all the people and then he goes yeah, to jail. No, I
1: I can't remember which song it was for, though. Oh, fuck. But, uh, yeah, there's. Oh, that's there, going to bother me because I kind of liked the song, too. There are three singles. Uh from their latest album Repentless have three consecutive storylined videos starring Jason Trust and his eye patch. <laughs> okay, it's
0: starring Jason Trust eye patch. Jason Trust is just a supporting yeah. care actor. He's just
1: kind of attached to it, so but if you don't know who Jason Trust is, he I think wrote and directed and started? And started. Just a masterpiece of cinema. I mean, I don't think there's a better movie mm-hmm. out there. It's called The F.P. You know, Frazier something-
0: Motherfucking Park. What's-, What's a town without ducks? What is a town without ducks? <laughs> and if
1: you have no idea what we're talking about, just watch the fucking movie. It is The F.P.
0: That's Fish Pony. The <laughs> F.P. It is just called The F.P. It's- we watched it on be? yeah, I think we watched it on Tubi. Yeah. It go was like for- <laughs> free, I think, too. So. Yeah, go go watch that. You got an hour and a half to kill. You want to laugh and feel uncomfortable?
1: Yeah, don't look up what it's about. Do not do that. Just no. watch it. Just watch it. There is a sequel too. I haven't seen it though. So Aww. someday, yeah, someday we'll have to get real fucking drunk.
0: Welcome to Rock Candy. <laughs> we get real fucking drunk all the time. <laughs> As if you didn't know that, <laughs> your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats from the world of music and we are continuing our journey on with the boys of Slayer. I don't yeah know why Slayer. I, felt, I don't know why I felt like I needed to go 1940s <laughs> saluting Slayer yes. Are off to the war these boys. <laughs> these boys from Slayer off to war to fight the good fight for metal and thrash all around. <laughs> <laughs> and we're your hosts i Maggie. I'm Ashley. Yeah and if you guys we're here last week, then you know we were left on a fucking cliffhanger. Is Dave gonna come back?
1: I don't know. Well, I'm yes, not gonna you 100 t- percent know. Not, I do, but I'm not gonna let on that I know. Fine. I know exactly what happens. I wrote the notes. I read the, read the book.
0: She read the book, she wrote the notes. She's she's fucking holding out on us guys. This motherfucker. <laughs> I but did get a good beer though. You did bring me a delightful beer from our fave nightmare booing. They're great. They are really cool. great. <laughs> they're great because they're fucked up. <laughs> uh, so this is uh, called drawn and quartered, and that's exactly what is happening on the on label. this can. <laughs> like, literally, literally raining blood. right, <laughs> Rain <and> blood. <laughs> um, yeah, it is literally raining blood all over these four horsemen. Maybe Slayer the four horsemen. Maybe to draw and quarter.
1: Bitches actually like this i just thought of another la- layer of appropriateness for this actual beer because sometime last year over quarantine before the election happened the guy that they had contracted to draw um their labels for their beers this is nightmare this is nightmare okay yeah um they got this guy to to do all their labels and their labels were fucking awesome yeah. like gory as fuck and not for children in any way, shape, or <laughs> these are form. are not for your kids. Don't let your kids see you drinking these beers. They will be traumatized for the rest of their let lives. Let your kids see you drinking a Jenny Cream Ale. Not That's a nightmare. Fine. <laughs> That's a kid's drink. That's fine. But at some point over quarantine last year, the artist that drew all of these labels posted some of his own personal drawings on Instagram and... Oh boy, Ooh. were they racist? Oh, and uh, they what he he drew something that was like, I think it was Hillary Clinton like holding a baby Joe Biden, and there were swastikas in the background and a looming George Soros. It was bad, and it
0: wasn't like a piss take.
1: No, oh, this is like full no. QAnon
0: bullshit.
1: But like. As soon as people saw it, they were like, dude, what the fuck? And then Nightmare's like... And he was basically just like, mm, you know, you can't take a joke. Like, this is just, you know, my art, man. I don't have to explain my art to you, Warren. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> he totally took that attack. And then Nightmare was just like, you fired. Yeah. Fuck you, get out. Yep. They're
0: like, mm, you never have to draw for us. Yeah. Skin. Thank you. So they
1: they hired a different artist who is... Just as good, if not better. All right, good for a Nightmare. Still love them. They they swiftly kicked that guy off the payroll. There you go.
0: And they won't be bringing him back. Like hopefully, Dave comes back to Slayer. (laughs) I've been thinking about this all week.
1: Okay, well I
0: haven't spoiled it for myself.
1: Good. Well, (laughs) let me let me kill the suspense here. All right, all right. So we left off. On a bit of a cliffhanger. <laughs> Drummer Dave Lombardo quit Slayer, but his replacement, Tony Scaglione. I still don't think that's a real name. <laughs> I
0: was thinking about that a lot, too. I'm like, I don't think that's real. He,
1: he, this was just a story that they told everybody. He wasn't real. <laughs> he was a hologram on tour. And so it's Tony Scaglione. They're like,
0: that's not a real that's person. That's
1: a pasta, not a person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we do have to make an Italian dish now called the Tony Scaglione. Tony
1: Scaglione. Scaglione. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the other guy that was in the early typo negative,
0: <laughs> that was oh. in early
1: typo negative. Uh, I think it was Tony Ab- Abruscati. Yeah. A nice Abruscati. Well, that's the appetizer. Yeah, that's, of course. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Tony Scaglione wasn't cutting it, and the band and Rick Rubin were reluctantly but heavily vying for Dave's return. Would he come back? Would he forsake his forklift job and his marriage to make a triumphant (laughs) return to one of the most controversial bands in modern American history? Long story short, yes. Oh, good. I mean,
0: wait, you don't have to forsake your marriage for that. Just the forklift job, I mean, nobody
1: liked Teresa, though. Oh, she
0: was kind of a bitch, wasn't she? I
1: mean. She wouldn't even pick up after his drum set. (laughs) I know nothing of Teresa. I really don't. All I know is that the band was, like, they tolerated her, but they didn't. Didn't want her there. Yeah, and he and Dave insisted that she come with him on tour right. and stuff. But surprisingly, it was Teresa that got him to go back. Wow! And he spent the spring of 1987 with the rest of Slayer on tour, continuing to promote the juggernaut that was Rain and Blood. Hell yeah, Rain in Blood, not Rain in Blood. The album is Rain in Blood. Yeah. The song is Raining Blood. <laughs> Yes, that was Carrie King's brilliant idea.
0: You can't see this, but that's she's doing this wonderful little like, little wrist fish look. hook.
1: This little fish hook motion. That's it's great. Carrie like, King's brilliant idea. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately after concluding the tour for Rain and Blood, the guys recorded their follow up South of Heaven. They knew they could. Where couldn't... is that? Hell oh get it oh no. i'm sure that was a, a, another carrie king fish hook of a joke <laughs> i got
0: these fish hooks guys what should i do with them Make I'm jokes. am making jokes <laughs> hook some jokes on there
1: carrie <laughs> all right
0: <laughs> thanks carrie <Kerry. laughs>
1: They knew they couldn't match the speed or popularity of Rain and Blood, so they deliberately changed tack on this record, slowing things down considerably and garnering reviews that basically culminated in It's Okay, I guess. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It's still kind of a classic Slayer album, but it's not as good as the other ones. Yeah. I've...
0: Yeah. There's always that, right? There's always that one album where I was like, this is the fuck best album, and then like...
1: Um, your follow-up's all right, I I get the impression that they kind of, they already resigned themselves to the fact that it was going to be like that, so they made it like that. It probably could have been awesome, but, like, when you're touring that much, and you don't go into the studio with a shit ton of material like you usually do, and, like, you're just trying to pump out an album, yeah, it's not going to be that great. Yeah, that's fair. This album was a bit of a coming of age for Tom, who contributed lyrics to six songs, two of which he wrote himself. Oh, shit. And his vocals, vocals also graduated from scream barking to actual singing and holding notes. Ooh, he's like, hold on, guys. Let me hold ch- my hair. Let me try this. I can sing.
0: Ah! <laughs> Did I do it? G- you're getting there. It's so much better today than it was yesterday. Cool, cool. You're
1: so close, Tom. Cool. <laughs> but not everyone was happy with the album. Carrie's attention was more on his wife and relocating to Arizona, and Dave was still stewing in his discontent over everything, and everyone kind of chalked it up to a dry spell. I mean, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's sure. got a dry spell. I ain't gonna hold it against you. Boo? Boo? The album was released on July 5th, 1988, and the subsequent tour would go down in history as the band's most violent, thanks to a couple shows on opposite coasts that both ended in riots. Oh. The first show at the Hollywood Palladium was on August 12th, 1988, and was oversold to a point where 200 fans were locked out of the venue when the band started playing. Wow. Most of them ticket holders. Several mosh pits broke out in the streets. (laughs) Fans smashed the glass doors to the venue and mass chaos ensued. Later that month, another riot broke out at the theater at Madison Square Garden, which saw fans tearing apart the seats and flinging the foam mats at Tom who pleaded with the crowd to calm the fuck down.
0: Hey, guys, can you, uh, can you stop throwing foam mats at me? Yeah. I'm learning I to suck my dick. <laughs> fuck. What are you doing? Come on, guys. I just learned to sing. <laughs> Come on. I,
1: I, I practiced real hard. You're going to fuck up my beautiful hair. <laughs> the band was banned from both venues for decades, but this behavior became par for the course at Slayer shows from then on. Oh, shit. It All was, right. It was always like if you went to a Slayer show, you should expect to see some fucking crazy shit and probably come out of it with a couple of bruises. Wow. All right. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: I mean, even Metallica was having like pretty intense shows and a lot of riots. And I would not think that, I would not say they were as hard as Slayer.
1: They had the help of Guns N' Roses, though. Oof. Is it help? <laughs> I mean, Guns N' Roses never helps anybody no. for anything. So. No. Mm. Mm. Touring continued through 1989. After which Jeff married his longtime girlfriend Catherine, and everyone took their honeymoon as a good time to take a break as well. Yeah. They regrouped to record 1990's Seasons in the Abyss, which would become another sl- classic Slayer album. Oh, okay. So they're
0: they're back at it. They're like, all back right, we got it. this. Back
1: in the habit, Sister Act Two. <laughs>
0: Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> came in for a track. It was She's teaching Tom
1: how to sing, <laughs> like just la 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 la, fa la. La-la. Lauren Hill's there. The kid from City High's there. oh it's a fucking party, man! That sounds wonderful. I want I, w- I want to
0: be in that room. I want this like alternate reality where this <laughs> happened.
1: I just want Slayer to be in like Sister Act three. Can we do that? Yes. We're, we need a petition. We need to do that. This was their first release on Deaf American Recordings, Rick Rubin's own label created after splitting with Deaf Jam. What is it called? Deaf American? Deaf American. So, and like, then is it about,
0: like, deaf people in America?
1: Well, it's a split from I Deaf know, Jam. Def but then it eventually just became American Recording. Is it
0: Deaf Jam because they're, like, they're definitive jams? I don't know. Is
1: that what the popular term deaf came from
0: i don't know i always say deaf because i'm like deaf like definitely but i'm also like an aging millennial so i don't know how much you can take like be seriously yeah
1: and i don't think that in that sense existed before us millennials did it it might have (laughs) anyway Rick continued being their go-to producer, but they realized he was rad-dadding them pretty hard. Oh, no. Unfortunately, they had renegotiated their contract that would bind them to Rick for the next two decades, (gasps) even as Rick got more and more of a reputation for being barely present at recording sessions, yet still grabbing full producer credit. He but, apparently did this to a lot of people, and that's probably why I always had the feeling that I didn't really like Rick Rubin. And but this like, is why. Yeah. And eventually- He's they, an absentee
0: producer he, dad. He is.
1: <laughs> and I, eventually they got to a point where they were like, it's fine. We're pretty much just doing this ourselves. The only shitty part is that he always gets an ex- like an executive producer- Credit right instead of just like a co-producer, which credit. also
0: then means he gets like a a bigger cut,
1: huge cut, yeah. So then he
0: basically Slayer is at their T-ball game looking in the stands for Rick Rubin, and they're like. <laughs> He didn't show up again. And then their mom has to show up and be like, it's OK, sweetie. He's very busy. He said he was so sorry he had to miss your game. Yeah. And you're he's, like, he's, he's produced, never
1: sorry. But he's producing the Beastie Boys baseball game today. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I
0: love that.
1: But I hate it. I feel so bad. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of like, well, fuck this guy, whatever. Yeah. I mean- we're still making the music that we want. Doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, I guess at least like nobody's coming in and telling them how to do their shit, which is well, good. Well, I mean,
1: at to a point, he would be like, he wouldn't even come into the studio. He would just call them and be like, "Hey, play me the tracks you recorded today." And then he would be like, "Yes, no, yes, yes, no, no, yes, no," to all the songs that they record
0: That's over like the phone. Doing a FaceTime homework session with your yeah. dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to Zoom with your or dad because like he's too busy. Sharing Oreos and milk over Zoom with your dad. Oh, my God. You're not eating your Oreo properly. You have to split it and then lick then, it and then, then put it in it. the milk. God, what did I raise? You raised me. You're never even home, Dad Ruben. <laughs> dad Reuben. <laughs> that Doobin. just makes me feel like a, there's a walking sandwich with like a hat
1: and glasses. Dad walking Reuben. Sandwich. It's corned beef and rant or Thousand Island dressing oozing everywhere. <laughs> oh, right, right. oh get away from me! Okay, please continue. I might. I there's a possibility I might want to be raised by a Reuben sandwich more than Rick Reuben. <laughs> I mean, you know what? He's reliable. <laughs> you know he's going to be good, even if he's terrible. It's still a Reuben. It's still a Reuben. Seasons is the album where Tom gets his big flex. Oh. He contributes writing to 6 out of the 10 songs including Dead Skin Mask, a song about Ed Gein, and not the last he wrote about a serial killer.
0: <laughs> I'm why haven't I listened to Slayer more until I don't now?
1: Know. He would later pen Gemini about the Zodiac Killer. Of course. S- you mean Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Psychopathy Red by about Andre Chicatillo. Oh. And which is not a subject, a serial killer that you hear a lot of songs about. You don't. So good for them for really doing a deep cut here. I know. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> and 213 about Jeffrey Dahmer. The album was released on October 9th, 1990, to all around favorable reviews, and it eventually went gold in 1992. To promote it, they teamed up with Big Four alums Megadeth and Good Friend Suicidal Tendencies. Oh. The whole tour was fraught with tension because Dave Mustaine. Oh, what? Dave's great. What are you talking about? He gets along with everybody. Hello, Slayer. It's me, Dave Mustaine. <laughs> Tom and Dave Mustaine traded your gaze through the whole trip, and they all generally acted like babies. <laughs> No, you're gay. You're gay. You're a homo. No, you're a homo. Like,
0: shut up. Because it's like, what, 1992 and that's how men insulted each other.
1: Exactly. Yes. I'm not gay. But like, what if we were? (laughs) But what if you like just, you know,
0: gave me a handjob? What if we just kissed? Like, (laughs) What if we just kissed? Just once. Just kiss.
1: (laughs) At this point, these guys were riding a metal tidal wave. The big four were collectively at a career high, selling out arenas and dominating MTV. But the grunge movement was right around the corner, Mm -hmm. ready to steamroll the billboard charts and send metal into a tailspin. I'd like to say the quote-unquote grunge movement. Because it's bullshit. Because what is grunge? Grunge means nothing.
0: Yeah. But that's not for this episode. No, that is not for this episode. (laughs) Or any...
1: But first, they had to deal with the problem of Dave Lombardo again. Again? Dave. Yeah. It all started when Dave got literally too high. <laughs> Over the course of the past few years, his drum riser got taller and taller. Oh. <laughs> like, literally I
0: was, too high. I was flashbacking to the time I got too high, <laughs> like, with the marijuana. Yeah. And it was fucking awful. And I'm like, man, that is a rough time. No, wait. So his drum Chair was too high. His
1: drum, his entire drum set was too high. Oh, okay. By the time they toured for seasons, it was nearing six feet off the ground. As we learned in part one, Dave didn't care too much for setting up and taking down his own drum set, so he left it to his drum tech, who was much bigger than him. Okay. The tech adjusted the drum set to his own height, not Dave's, so Dave's drumming was all fucked up. And Carrie, of course, noticed this, and he didn't fucking like it. You know what? Fair. His feet- Fair complaint. His feet were, like, too high for him to nail the double bass parts on Angel of Death. Stop it. And Carrie was like, what the fuck, man? This- this- what- what- did- what- did you not readjust your fucking set, man? You know how to play this, man. Maybe if you fucking set up your own fucking drum set. <laughs> Fuck you, man. I'm told you. To I got a drum tech. He does it, so you guys don't have to fucking
0: worry about it. Maybe if you fucking did it you and just You're, talk to him. You know man. what? You know what?
1: You're gay. <laughs> You're gay. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> On top of that, Dave's first kid was about to be born. Slayer had shows lined up for exactly when the kid was due. Dave didn't want to play. He naturally wanted to be home, which I can't really begrudge him for. But at the same time, how many other musicians want to be home for the birth of their child? Right. And weren't. Especially if you're a band that makes most of your money on tour. Yes. It all came to a head outside, and I shit you not, a TGI Friday's. They just had too many Long Island iced
0: teas. Guys. And shit hit guys, the fan.
1: Guys. <laughs> TGI Fridays. Slayer. <laughs> screaming at each other. <laughs> outside of TGI Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> to be a fucking mosquito. <laughs>
0: fluttering a moth, a moth um, fluttering under the street we lamp wait, post. of TGI Fridays. <laughs> This is fucking amazing. (laughs) Oh my god.
1: This is amazing. Okay, so (gasps) let let me tell you this fucking story. Please
0: fucking tell me this story.
1: Dave showed up to rehearsal, but Carrie, Tom, and Jeff were just chilling at the bar at TGI Fridays, as was their custom before rehearsals. But they stayed for one too many electric lemonades. (laughs) And Dave marched his ass down to TGI Friday's Come on, guys. and gave Carrie and Jeff the business. Wait, why not Tom? Wait, was it, it only
0: Carrie and Jeff there? No, Tom all there three too?
1: of them were there, but he was just like, I want to see you and you outside. Oh,
0: outside the TGI Friday's. So they just
1: sucked down their electric lemonade and, like, and were like, fine. Grabbed a handful of mozzarella sticks and were like, shoved it in their mouth. Hold on. Wilted lettuce on the bottom of the plate and all just in the mouth. Yep, <laughs> I bet just one of them was like, "Not doing my chicken fingers, bro,
0: bro, <laughs> bro." Got a
1: quesadilla coming. <laughs> <laughs> With an astronomical level of restraint, the three dudes walked away from Dave without throwing a single punch. Okay. Instead, they fired him. Wow! Again. Again. They dug into finding a new drummer as they had the Monsters of Rock Festival to prep for ASAP. Yeah. They chose former Forbidden Drummer Paul Bostaff as Dave's replacement after an interesting audition. Before
0: you get into the audition, so wait a minute. Did Dave get fired from Slayer outside
1: of a TGI Friday? <laughs> Basically, that was like their last in-person interaction. That's... The, like, to get fired... <laughs>
0: Like from a TGI Fridays is one thing to get fired from your job that isn't TGI Fridays.
1: In when it's or not TGI Fridays, a
0: TGI Fridays is very
1: sad. Yeah, soon he will be working at that TGI Fridays. Oh no, he's not. I'm just—he's <laughs> just, got a forklift waiting for him at home. <laughs> forklift has just been waiting for him to come back. I've been waiting. <laughs> For a dude like you <laughs> to make my crane work good.
0: <laughs> uh. Mm-mm-mm. So
1: interesting. Okay, now continue with the interesting audition. Interesting audition, yes. The jam session with Tom and Carrie went great, and afterwards he was introduced to Jeff. And Jeff was st- sitting on a couch, holding a beer in one hand and watching TV. And Paul introduced himself, to which Jeff said, Meh. His eyes never leaving the TV. I mean, he's watching TV. Who knows? And he's Jeff Hanneman. He's getting
0: his stories. If
1: there was ever like any story to describe Jeff Hanneman, it's this one. Okay. This is Jeff in a nutshell. Right after Paul joined, the band took a much needed break. They didn't release any new songs until 93, but what they released was a huge misstep. Oh, no. Rap Rock was trying to break through. (gasps) No. And Slayer's manager, Rick Sales, was eager to jump on that train. No. He convinced the guys to collaborate on a medley of punk songs with rapper Ice-T, and it kind of just turned into a mess. Okay, but hold on. On paper, because I thought you were going to tell me that Tom rapped. Oh, no. (laughs) No, no, no. So
0: if you told me on paper... Slayer meets Ice-T. I'm like, all right. This makes sense. Like, this makes sense. I think the tones
1: match. The only reason that Carrie agreed to do it was because, like, Rick had, like, thrown all these pitches to them, like, you could work with these people or this rapper or this rapper. And Carrie's like, no. And then he threw out Ice-T and he was like, I can kind of see this working. Okay, Okay, fine. It's a paycheck. Let's do it. But also, like, I mean, iced tea. Again, respectable. Right. It's all vanilla ice. Thank
0: God. Can you imagine mm. performing with vanilla ice at a TGI
1: Friday? <laughs> Those are the only gigs he's getting lately. Oh, fuck that kid. <laughs> to make up for it, Slayer's next album was a really good one. To them, anyway. Oh. Aw. Divine Intervention was released on September 27th, 1994, and at the time it got positive reviews. A lot of people now say that it's derivative and formulaic, Aww. right down to the songs about Jeffrey Dahmer and Reinhard Heydrich, the architect of the Holocaust. <gasps> oh. Yeah. But they did also include the song Dittohead, which trashed followers of Rush Limbaugh, so critiques were inconsequential here. Oh. You know what? Good for them. Yeah. Because honestly, really? It's a... Rush Limbaugh? It's important for me right here to note that Carrie was the one that wrote the lyrics to this. Oh. This will come into play later on. Oh. You couldn't be angry. No. (laughs) Along with divine intervention came changes in the guy's personal lives, too. Tom married his wife, Sandra, and started a family, eventually moving to a ranch in Texas. Ooh. Carrie, who was already married with a daughter of his own, went through a divorce oh he took the my boyfriend broke up with me, so I'm dying my hair thing to a new level by shaving his head, cultivating a massive tattoo collection, and growing his beard to his belly button. Oh,
0: wow, pretty
1: drastic, pretty like
0: well he's fe- now he's just feeling his oats, girl. he is like, mm, I do not have a wife to stop me anymore. I am shaving my head. I have all no the tattoos hair to wash." I yeah. and this beard is going to make up for all the hair that I just <laughs> shaved off.
1: And like he was like, "Well, I didn't do it for any other reason besides like I fucking wanted to." And I'm like, "Bruh, you were thinning on top for a long time. Mm. At least you recognized your time for was up for the yeah. long hair. Times up. Times up scalp. for the long hair." <laughs> and the book that I read for this, what was it, Slayer? Thirty-three and two-thirds, or whatever the fuck it was. You said it in the last episode. I said it in fine. last episode, whatever. Um, he kept calling um uh, metal fans long hairs, oh. and I'm like, that's really a good description. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm just, and if you think about it, all metal audiences are consisted of long hairs and baldy beards. Oh yeah. So. I'm ah. just going to k- refer to them as long hairs and baldy beards for the rest of my life. That's
0: what I was going to say, because after about, like, I think, what, 35, pretty much all metalheads then just become baldy beards. Yeah. It's like you have long hair until you're about 30, 35, and then
1: you're a baldy beard. At least they come to the realization that they need to do something, so why not do the exact opposite of what you have now? Yeah. You're you're making it work. Proud exactly. of you. So, yeah, these guys had never been huge partiers, but this was a turning point for most of them. Interesting. Drugs were completely off the table at this point, and Tom and Carrie rarely drank. Partying had long gone by the wayside. The only one that kept doubling down on the sauce was Jeff. Uh, Jeff. <laughs> and <laughs> Jeff, the most stoic of them all, was hiding some physical ailments himself. Mm. By the end of the Divine Intervention Tour, the arthritis in his arms and hands was so bad that they had to work breaks into their set. Wait a minute. How old is he at this point? Like 30s? Maybe Probably 40? 30s. Oh my God. So he already was, had arthritis. He was, he was born in, yeah, early 60s and this was the early 90s. So <gasps> early to late, early to mid 30s. So he's like not even 40. No, he's not even 35, I don't think. Wow. Yeah.
0: Jesus. Homeboy is not taking care of himself. Not at all. You gotta do some yoga. Maybe (laughs) get some, like, ibuprofen in your diet. Yeah, just take some regular
1: aspirin. Yeah, just take daily aspirin. Do some yoga. Get that roll-on arthritis stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the good shit. Some Icy Hot. Mm A little Bengay. (laughs) There you go. No, they make, like, little roll-on stuff specifically for, like, your arthritic joints. Ooh. Yeah, you know I mean I don't know how it smells, but I mean now like you got C B D oils for that shit. Ugh. He could have had so much like success with the C B D stuff. He really would have. Spokesperson. Yeah. Yeah, it really affected him, but he very, very rarely let on that he was in so much pain, a trait that would later threaten his life. Oh uh, that oh mm, okay. Foreshadowing. It's <laughs> a lot of foreshadowing here. It's making me uneasy. <laughs> Now comes the interlude titled, The Band's Music Made a Kid Kill Someone So We're Taking Them to Court. Do 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 do. Go into court. I don't know why I started <laughs> I don't saying
0: Merry Christmas or Christmas wrapping by the waitresses.
1: <laughs> but it just appropriate. Like, it felt like really good interlude music. It does make sense because Jeff's favorite holiday was Christmas. Aww. And he was a surly pain in the ass. And that is a surly pain in the ass song. All right. We did it. Cynical at least. Very cynical. In March 1996, the body of Elise Paler, a 15 year old girl from Arroyo Grande, California, was found. I should have done a trigger warning. Yeah, trigger warning. Like, we're going to talk about sexual assault and murder. Oh. 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 Yeah. Three teenage boys lured her from her home with the promise of alcohol and marijuana. Right. They then sexually assaulted, murdered, and committed acts of necrophilia on Elise's body. Oh. They said that their intention was to sacrifice her in a satanic ritual, which they believed they needed for their metal band hatred to gain the, quote, craziness to go professional. Wait, so for
0: their metal band? For their band, band.
1: yeah. They were teenagers in a shitty high school metal band. And their excuse, after they were arrested, questioned and confessed, they said that they did it because they wanted their band to be like professional and have a reputation the amount of
0: mental illness and like unwellness that must be going through these kids to be like yeah
1: no this makes sense yeah and like no, it doesn't apparently it was like this crazy idea you know from one of them and then the others just went along with it but it's right. like what how did you grow up? What is going on in your brain to be like, Yeah, we can do this. We can totally kill this girl
0: No, yeah, like I feel like there is there has to be a certain point in anybody, like no matter how old you are, where once like sexual assault, murder and stuff along those lines happen, you're
1: like, No, I'm not okay with this yeah, like i i just I don't understand, like being interested in the stories and the psychology behind serial killers murderers whatever that's Mm -hmm. one thing like being interested in literary stuff surrounding this weird fucking you know culture of people is one thing but Mm -hmm. having your friend be like i'm gonna kill this girl and i want you to help me that's and that being like definitely be a red flag. And being like, "Yeah, I can do that" and then helping them and then trying to cover it up with them. And then if you get caught lying to p- police about it, like I just I don't understand how you go from being a n- relatively normal person to supporting somebody who is literally burying bodies in their backyard.
0: I know what does it? It's metal music.
1: It's right? metal. It's, it's Slayer. Slayer. Ugh. The teens confessed after one of them found Jesus, and all three were convicted. Yeah, in a very short amount of time, he found Jesus. Uh, uh, Sure. He was like 15, and he was in jail for like a week, and he's like, I found Jesus, I'm going to confess. I saw, sure. I saw a cross, and I was like, mm, if I say
0: Jesus, yeah.
1: maybe they won't be as hard to on me. So all three of them were convicted and given sentences of 25 to life. Mm-hmm. Elise Paler's parents sued Slayer, claiming the band's music influenced the teens to murder. The lawsuit was absolute bullshit and dragged on for 15 years. I understand needing to blame something. Okay. Totally understand yeah. that. Nope, definitely get that.
0: But how do you come up with Slayer? I mean, you have three human beings who did the act right in front of you. Like, I'm pretty sure who I know I'm going to blame for this. Yeah. And also very... Like, if you really want to get outside of, like, the epicenter here and maybe, like, Venn diagram it a little bit, go to the parents. Yeah. There you go. But
1: Slayer? And... And what other music are they- Are you going to sue every artist they listen to? Right. Why-, why is it just Slayer? Yeah. Why didn't you pick Ozzy? He's a favorite to sue over things like this. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. But like still even when the one kid um, found Jesus and confessed he was like no we didn't do it because Slayer told us to. We did it because this one kid was obsessed with Elise and wanted to kill her. So we did it. Ugh, that's fucking tragic. It Jesus is. Christ. It absolutely is. But even the killers, like no Slayer has nothing to do with this. That's <sighs> the fucking nanas. Yeah. <sighs> the case was originally thrown out in 2000, but the Palers filed a second lawsuit. Really?
0: Really? You need... This is the hill you're going to die mm. on. Your poor fucking oh, daughter. They is were dead. determined
1: to die on this hill. They claimed Jesus. Slayer, quote, knowingly distributed harmful materials to minors.
0: Like, you're making it really hard for me to be sympathetic towards you. Yeah. yeah you
1: really you're are. You're really
0: making that difficult.
1: Again, the case was dismissed in 2011 with the judge saying, quote, Slayer lyrics are repulsive and profane, but they do not direct or instruct listeners to commit the acts that resulted in the, fish, in the vicious torture murder of Elise Paler. Oh. And one of the murderers, Jacob DeLashman, even said in, in, in an interview that Slayer's music had nothing to do with their decision to murder her. Right. As the court case raged on, Slayer began to work on a new album undisputed attitude would be different than all the rest as it was a compilation of hardcore punk covers done Slayer style.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. This was squarely in Jeff Hanneman's wheelhouse. And in fact, two songs from his pap smear days made it onto the <laughs> album. I almost forgot about pap smear. <laughs> Had to remind you though. Thank you. I do. You know what? Can't hash. To, never forget.
0: Never forget pap smear. Never, for- I mean, honestly, as a woman, I can't.
1: I can't. Literally. Literally, I can't. I'm reminded it is, yearly. It is scheduled into my calendar. Yeah. Thank I you. I just saw
0: mine, actually, the other day. I'm like, oh, my pap smear is in three weeks. Yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. This album really didn't sit well with a lot of people, fans, and the original artists included. One such artist was Ian McKay, who was the... um, He started Minor Threat and Fugazi, Fugazi yeah. Punk legend.
0: Yeah. I'm... Wait, so he didn't like this? He
1: did not, because Slayer covered the song he wrote called Guilty of Being White that Minor Threat had done originally. Okay. And I have a problem with the song in its original context anyway. Oh,
0: okay. It's
1: about Ian's personal experience going to a predominantly black high school where black students held a grudge against him for centuries of racial inequality. Okay. Understandable. I he should I get it. He I get it. He shouldn't nobody should be the subject of racial hate or abuse. Right period. And, and he
0: shouldn't have to just like people of color shouldn't have to be like fucking judged and executed. And
1: terrorized. And
0: terrorized for their color. White people, you know, of our age. Or, like, you know, like, just kids should not have to be held accountable for the sins of, you know, pieces of garbage from back in the day who thought slaves were cool. I get it. But also, there's the other side where it's like, you need to be understanding and see it from their point of view and say, I get it. Yeah. I come from a bit of privilege. Like, I'm not, I don't have to worry about a cop pulling me over and killing me because why not?
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. There's, there's oh, okay, okay, you
1: know what now I'm it's, curious about this song I do not know the song. It is complicated, it is so complicated. It is, and I get where Ian is coming from, but in a twenty twenty one context, I can't really feel one hundred percent sorry for him. Mm. It, it's just it's not a song that anybody right now should ever write right. Oh yeah, it would it, there is a lot of white privilege in that song. It does not stand the test of time, no. No, it doesn't. In Slayer's cover of the song, Tom made a crucial lyrical change that really kills the whole song. At the end of it, instead of saying guilty of being white, he says guilty of being right. And that comes off as pretty fucking racist. Yeah. But like, Tom's not white. He's not. It's
0: Is, it, is being
1: <laughs> ironic? I don't. No, he, so in their explanation afterwards, he, he said he changed it because he agreed with what Ian McKay was saying, which doesn't
0: help. Nope. That's the wrong thing to say. Does not help. If you said I was saying it to be ironic, I'd be like, oh, okay. Oh,
1: got it. Yeah. Yeah. But also, why would you cover the song then? It's so weird. Ian McKay. Was really pissed off about this change, as he rightfully should yeah, be. Yeah, that's embarrassing. I, I get that. Like he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily saying in the song that he was right, that yes. he as a white person is right or better than any other black person. He was basically saying, uh, like. He was writing from an
0: experience that he personally felt. It was a it's exact- a very personal song. Exactly. Yeah. It's not something that everyone can listen to and vibe with and necessarily
1: commiserate with. Definitely now hearing it I'm like um no.
0: Mm.
1: Nope. So it was definitely of its time and mm. Slayer should have left it alone. After Undisputed Attitude was released, Paul left the band to work on his new project, hilariously titled The Truth About Seafood. (laughs) I don't know where he got that from. I don't want to know. I just want to leave it the way it is. I I want the mystery. Honestly, the
0: truth about most seafood is that you're eating their guts, too.
1: And their poop.
0: Yeah. Guts and poops. You're eating
1: their poop. Yeah. Like, at least when it comes to shellfish. Oh, with fish, too. If you're getting it from China... It's just poop fish. Ooh. I'm probably going to be pescatarian for so much longer at this point. You just have to read the package. There's plenty of affordable options for, for seafood and fish that's not China poop. <laughs> China poop. <laughs> he was replaced by John Dett for a small club tour, but halfway through, debt was out and Paul was back in. Uh, okay. John's like, Paul, it's ret- Paul. John, John John, Paul, John, Dave, Dave. Danny boy, (laughs) Danny
0: boy. (laughs) No, so Paul is just like, nah, I got to go and tell everybody the truth about seafood. Yeah. Comes back. Nobody wanted to hear the truth about (laughs) seafood. That is exactly
1: what he said. (gasps) Oh, that's exactly what he said. He was like, this was a nice divergence because it was like, like weird jazz infused, like funk rock. That's kind of fun. Which is great. But it's like there's not a huge market for jazz-infused funk rock. <laughs> he went to two about shows. About seafood.
0: He went to, like, two shows, and they had one fan. And he's like, I'm going back to Slayer. And the
1: guy's guy was like, do you have any songs not about crustaceans? And he was <laughs> How like. about a song about swordfish? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh,
0: no. He's like, okay, Bye. <laughs> We've lost our one fan because I didn't have enough diversity in my (laughs) seafood.
1: Guess I got to go back to Slayer. (laughs) But the drummer change ushered in a new era for Slayer. Ooh. New metal. Ooh. (sighs) Yes, even slayers succumb to the lure of new metal. I hope that they got rid
0: of all the snares on their snare drums, so it just sounded Mm. like they were smacking a tin can (laughs) for 80 million years. Mm. Ding, 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 (laughs) ding, ding,
1: ding, ding. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still talking shit about Metallica. Uh, Cut my life into pieces. This might be. And bring me to life, because I'm a freak on a leash, and I'm going to break your fucking face tonight. Oh, shit. My God. She
0: went, guys, Ashley's she's full new metal again. Full new
1: metal. I literally did a, a Wonder Woman spin and turned into my Jenko wearing like junior year. She's wearing one of those ball persona. necklaces
0: and like a choker that looks like a dog collar. That spiky
1: she's hair got in Liberty the back, spikes. long hair in the front. Oh my God. Dyed black, of course. Of course. Arguably, it could have been so much worse. Mm hmm. Slayer managed to retain their signature sound while trying to update it a little. It was never going to be hailed as the second coming of Rain and Blood, but it was an attempt at evolution. All right. And that's fair. Yeah. They kept it evil, though, incorporating the tritone or the devil's note into Uh, their songs. Hence the album's title Diabolus in Musica, Latin for the devil in music. Oh, I
0: like it. It's nice. It's, it's nice. cute. nice. It's cute. Diamolos
1: and Musica. Oh my, oh my god. god, I love it.
0: I love that journey for them.
1: <laughs> I love this journey for you. <laughs> Despite Jeff's unrelenting arthritis, the band went on a truly grueling tour cycle that lasted for the next two years. Diff.
0: Why aren't you telling anyone about your arthritis?
1: They were still on the new metal train for their next album, God Hates Us All, and even added in some trendy industrial elements.
0: Oh. Yeah. they. Tre- I'm sorry. Was it was industrial trending at that point? Was it Tool? It was Nine Tool. Nine Inch wasn't nails. It? Yeah, but like, I don't know. That was like early 90s.
1: Yeah, this is pretty early 90s. Oh, we're still in the early 90s? Oh, wait, no. We're in the late 90s. Sorry.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they mm-hmm. can still, you
1: know what? They can still, you know, it's fine. You know what? It's fine, they worked with people that worked with nine inch nails, basically is what yeah. I'm getting at here. God hates us all had the misfortune of being released on September eleventh two thousand one <gasps> oof doof seems appropriate though kinda i mean kinda like yeah, yeah, still, it got generally positive reviews with a few critics critics decrying its derivative songs. Still, the song Disciple got the band nominated for a Best Perf- best Metal Performance Grammy, which awesome. they lost to Tool.
0: Okay. I mean... Wait, this was the time of, like, Lateralis, right?
1: Oh, yeah. They won... Tool won for, um, Schism.
0: Oh, yeah. Sorry. But, yeah.
1: I mean, that was a really, really good album. It really Guys. was.
0: So... I mean, I know Tool has its,
1: you know, ups and its downs, but that was an up. I mean... It's usually ups with Tool, except their Fear Inoculum. I could not get into. Wait, was that Sorry. that, or was that a perfect circle? Fear Inoculum was Tool. That was la- the latest Tool album that came out. Sure, <laughs> potato. <laughs> mm. Meanwhile, Paul was thinking of leaving again. He's like, "Look, Dave left twice. Second verse, same as the first, twice. right?" So once he people fucked- are just clamoring for that seafood music. <laughs> <laughs> Once he fucked himself over by reigniting an elbow injury, he wanted out oh, and okay. this the way he reignited it was by lifting up a laptop f- while he was going through security at an airport, and I'm like, "I feel you because I sprained my ankle, literally walking onto a court to play badminton, <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> you do stupid shit i i you know what all right, I guess, but like I just feel like. That's really dumb. It is. But also in like 2000, 2001, laptops were like bricks. All right. You know what? I'm going to let you have it. But only
0: (laughs) this one time. Let Paul have it. Let Paul have it. They were like at least 20 pounds back in 2000.
1: Let's wait to judge him until like the 15th time he decides to leave Slayer. Okay. And once again, Dave Lombardo comes running right back. Oh my God. Like... This yo-yo effect is like... It's dizzying. Dizzying for me, and I'm not even in the band. <laughs> you just have to listen to me tell you about the band, and you're like, oh. oh like, oh. I'm about
0: ready to get like a whiteboard behind
1: me and like. Pepe start... they Sylvia
0: that shit? Honestly, maybe.
1: <laughs> Unlike the last time he left Slayer, Dave kept drumming, sustaining his skills in bands like Grip Inc. and Fatimas.
0: Ah, Grip Inc. They had that solid sophomore... Album. Shut up. You don't know what you're I talking about. I have no about. fucking idea what I'm talking about.
1: I do know Fatima's, though, and I fucking hated it. Oh, okay. I, saw, I actually saw them when they opened for Tool in, like, 2001. Well, there you go. 2002. Yeah. I fucking hate Mike Patton. Yes, come for me on that. I will fight to the death. I fucking hate Mike Patton. Mike Patton is, um...
0: Oh, oh, what's that band? Um, um...
1: Why can't I think of it right now either? You want it all, but you can't, can't help it. it. I wow. don't, I don't know why I'm blanking on that name. I know what it is. Same. We're well at some point during the rest of this episode. It's that band that every guy you know tells you, no, no, no.
0: You They're just misunderstand. So Mike so, Patton. You need to listen to like the stuff that wasn't
1: singles. That shit's real good. But you should listen to Mr. Bongo. Faith No More. Faith No More. But you should listen to Mr. Bungle. That shit's really good. No, it's Who, not. Who's no, Mr. it's not. Bunghole? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I
0: agree. I'm not a big Mac- Mike Patton fan. Come for not us. Not at all.
1: Like, actually listening to Fantamas after the fact, I like it a little better now that I have matured. Maybe it just wasn't for me back in 2001 when I was 17 or whatever. But like...
0: And you just wanted to listen to the Fibonacci sequence for 30 minutes.
1: Yeah, I want <laughs> I really needed to listen to the intro to schism for like 25 fucking minutes. I really did. So wait, is it schism or schism? People say schism, I say schism, whatever. Potato. Yeah, exactly. You say potato, I say vodka. Ooh. <laughs> When he came back to Slayer, he basically rewrote the drum parts that Paul Bostaff had written on the previous few few albums because he didn't like them. Oh, did he make them better? I guess. All right. After the tour for God Hates Us All concluded, Dave officially signed on as Slayer's drummer. However, this time he was just an employee. He was not one of the four. So was was he deemed more as like a session musician? Kind of. Like he was signed on as... A permanent member, but he Mm -hmm. was an employee of Slayer, not part of Slayer. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Man, you know what? Nobody will ever forget what you do in front of a TGI Fridays. Just remember (laughs) that, kids. That's the moral of the story. TGI Fridays remembers. (laughs) No one's going to forget what you did in front of that TGI Fridays. (laughs) No one. They will hold on to that.
1: Everyone knows To celebrate his return, the band went on tour where they played a full set, then another full set that was "Rain and blood from end to end. Oh, shit. That sounds sweet. During the performance of Raining Blood, the band would get drenched in 200 gallons of fake blood that rained down from the rafters. That also sounds sweet. That was one of the videos I sent you. Did you watch it? No. Look, you know what? I watched the the video with
0: with with John... Jason eyepatch. <laughs> With Jason Trost in his eyepatch. That's You know, I figured that was the important thing. I was in it bed was. by the time you sent me the next one. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm
1: up like writing frantically all the notes I needed to get oh, done. before. I will not me. do
0: notes past 10 p.m. That's why I'm like, I start like 10 a.m. in the morning and I just go.
1: I got my like eighth wind at like 10 o'clock and I'm that? like, I'm going to finish this. Oh, I can't. Nope their ninth album Christ illusion was originally supposed to be released on six six 2006 oh shit but they didn't want to be lumped in with all those hokey metal bands releasing albums on the same day <laughs> so it was delayed to August 8th. it debuted at number five eight6 th- just as evil eight eight six you know man. you know what they say eight eight six sign of The number of the mix. (laughs) The number two months after the number of the beast, I guess. Maybe it's
0: Lilith's number. 886 can be Lilith's number. Sure. And she's hotter than Lucifer.
1: Better story. Honestly. Honestly. It debuted at number five on the Billboard 200 chart, becoming Slayer's highest charting album to date. Despite his deadbeat producer dad reputation, Rick Rubin continued to take full producer credit. Wait, Rick Rubin's still here? I He's forgot still about here. him. He's still here. Okay, Rick. Still taking cred for all the shit Slayer does by themselves. Because like 100% forgot about this dude. Yeah. The guys at this point came to a realization that despite his absenteeism, Rick was a really great producer when he was in the studio. He's like that dad. Who takes pictures of his kids
0: once and like, like there's about one time three times a year, the one day three times a year where the dad takes the pictures of kids make like, I love my kids look at my kids these are my kids they're so kids. great I got kids I got kids. and like they try to take credit for being dad of the year for taking like a picture of their kids. Not that I'm speaking from, like, anything that I've noticed from anyone... (laughs) From anyone. ...that I've experienced in my life. No. We don't know anybody like that. But that's basically Rick Rubin. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool, Rick Rubin.
1: (laughs) He's only proud of his kids when his kids do something cool. Yeah.
0: Oh, man, look how good my kids are. They're number
1: five on the billboard. I helped them do that. I I basically did, like, all of that. No, you didn't. I just let them put their name on it. But, yeah, he... Hadn't really let them down yet, mm. honestly, so they kept working with him. I mean, yeah. If it ain't broke. Don't fix it. Potato. Vodka. <laughs> it paid off. The single Eyes of the Insane won the band their first Grammy, and they embarked on yet another hugely successful tour for the album. But the guys started questioning the future of the band, with Tom mm. giving interviews saying he didn't really want to keep doing this shit when he was old. That's fair. Nonetheless, they went back into the studio to record their 10th album, World Painted Blood, which was released on November 3rd, 2009. And I'm going to be honest, I did no fucking research on on World Painted Blood because I did not give a shit at this point. (laughs) This was like towards the end of my notes writing and I was like, I can't. Talk about every
0: single Slayer album. I, mean, I can't do it. It's fine. It's a recent album, at least. So, I mean,
1: I think it's pretty par for the course at this point to what they do. And honestly, they did, you know, use the same formula over and over and over again. They did. With few deviations from it, yeah. honestly. I will say, it's not a bad formula. No, not, not at all. any of their albums were particularly horrible. No. But, I mean, it was the same shit. You know, second verse, same as the first. But, like... And second, and third, good. And
0: fourth, fifth. It's... it's Well, except for, like, you know, like, sometimes the new, their they Their new have metal the foray,
1: their rap rock shit. Right, maybe. right. But also, at the same time, I mean, clearly, it fucking works. Right. Exactly. So... And also, in the meantime, they launched, like, a massive um, marketing campaign with, like, just stuff with Slayer on it. Like, oh, memorabilia, yeah. clothing, van sneakers, bicycles, like cars like they were the band to
0: really get in on the marketing oh
1: thing did they fucking ever did they
0: yes and they (laughs) made a lot
1: of money on it good for them they deserve it everyone fucking loves Slayer and no matter what they put out people are gonna buy it in droves yeah so if they thought of a cool idea they would just have somebody fucking make it and sell it nice you know what just make it fucking happen exactly make it work It helped that they had a really cool logo that looked good on anything. True, true. So, anyway, all of 2010 was spent touring to support the album, as usual. Three years earlier, Carrie was telling news outlets that Slayer wasn't going to tour again, but the lure of the road won out, and here they were touring with Testament and Megadeth in what would be called the American Carnage Tour. Ooh, carnage. I guess calling each other gay didn't really deter them from touring together again. I mean, there's still some love in there. And it's Dave Mustaine. He calls everybody gay, gets into fights with everybody, and still everyone goes on tour with him because he's a draw. He was also an insane alcoholic and heroin addict. That too. I think by this time he was better. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, but by the, by the 2010s, I think he was like th- way better. I think he had been sober for quite a while at this point. Yeah, so I bet maybe it was maybe it was a pleasure to tour with Dave I at this point. I don't think so. I think him normal, sober, was worse <laughs> than him probably drunk or high. Well, I tried. Megadeth was playing Rust in Peace in its entirety here, so Slayer decided to play Seasons in the Abyss from front, front to back as well. That's fun. That's fun. That's nice. That does sound good. That sounds like a good time, though. I mean it. On October 21st, 2010, they played a classic Slayer album with the classic Slayer lineup. But just three months later, Jeff Hanneman's music career would end because of something so small and deceptively inconsequential. Oh, okay. In January 2011, while relaxing in a hot tub, beer in one hand and presumably his wife in the other... He was. She's bit so tiny. <laughs> She's so tiny. He was bitten on the arm by a spider. Okay. He didn't even realize he was bitten until an hour later when he spotted a mark on his upper arm. Despite feeling sick only an hour after getting bit, Jeff sucked it up and went on a week long planned trip to visit friends. When he came home, he stumbled into the house hammered, rolled up his sleeve and showed his arm to his wife, Catherine. It was over twice its normal size and bright red. She insisted he go to the ER, but he just passed out drunk and went to sleep instead. Catherine convinced him to go to the ER the next day, just in the nick of time. The attending nurse recognized it right away, a spider bite that turned into necrotizing <gasps> fasciitis or a flesh-eating bacterial infection. Oh, my God. Yep. Oh, my God. No. Yep. yep. Uh, uh. The infection was literally eating away the skin and muscle <gasps> in his arm, To a point where Jeff's life was now in danger. Oh, my God. This dude, just
0: go to the doctor. You know what, though? Hold up. Would either of us have done that? Yes. Oh, I wouldn't have. Oh, wait, wait. I would have gone to urgent care. Hold on. At least. When you first got the bite.
1: When I first got it, no. no. Once my arm swelled up. And, like, yeah. I was feeling okay. awful the next day. Yeah, I would have fucking gone. And honestly,
0: if I had gone home and shown Jeremy my arm and he was like, go to the hospital and I passed out, he would just drag me out of the bed and toss me in the car. Yeah. like, So you're going to the hospital? You're
1: going to the fucking hospital.
0: Yeah. Fuck you. Get the fuck up. All right. When well, it's that. OK. But I just mean, like, when you're first telling me this, I'm like, well, I wouldn't have gone to the hospital either. But all right. Well, if it's that fucking big and gross. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, like, your arm looks like somebody just mangled the shit out of it or something? Yeah. Gross. He was rushed into surgery, but the doctor was real with him. There was a good chance he might not make it out alive or with an arm at all. Like, he was really... Like, his life was in fucking danger. (laughs) Jeff, you in danger, girl! (laughs) Luckily, the doctor was able to cut out all of the diseased flesh and save his arm. However... He stayed in critical condition. Mm-hmm. He was in a medically induced coma for days after the surgery, requiring multiple surgeries to get all the diseased skin out of his body Holy shit! and later undergoing extensive skin graft surgery. What the fuck spider bit him? Probably a brown recluse. That's what I would say. Because that's what we got up here, right? We have some in here, but they're, oh. you rarely see them like out and about. Yeah, I don't know.
0: In a hot tub, though. Or maybe
1: even a Black Widow. Black Widows are around all the time. Well, I wasn't afraid of spiders. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) But now, thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. Mm. He pulled through, but the harrowing experience meant he would not be able to go back to Slayer, effectively ending his music career. (sighs) That's awful. Yeah, you can actually see pictures of him at the last show that he played um, with his like he he like ripped off the sleeve of his arm or the sleeve of his shirt Mm -hmm. so he could show his arm and it's like from like fucking mid forearm up to his bicep was just like a three inch (gasps) wound he just like had a gaping wound that just had to heal by itself with skin grafts it's fucked fucked horrifying yeah absolutely absolutely
0: you know, every time I get a bump now, I'm gonna be eyeing that shit
1: like a fucking motherfucker. Was this a brown recluse? <laughs> <sighs> the Slayer camp didn't reveal Jeff's situation until his surgeries were over in February 2011. Wow. They assured fans that he was fine, but would be out of commission for a while. Still, they had a big fe- they had big festival shows coming up, and they were going to play them without Jeff, like mm. for the first time ever. Jesus. They replaced him with Gary Holt, guitarist from Exodus and- Gary Holt. Gary Holt. Yeah, Gary Holt. (laughs) Sorry. Guitarist from Exodus and a longtime friend that they knew could handle Jeff's parts. He was also someone that wouldn't get upset if they were like, okay, Jeff's back, get the fuck out, bitch. Nice. So on February 26, 2011, Slayer played its first show ever without Jeff. Mm. Meanwhile, Jeff's recovery continued to progress steadily, however, very slowly. He not only had to learn to play guitar again, but he had to relearn how to fucking walk. It knocked him the fuck out. Like, I'm assuming nerve damage probably could have spread to other places. Also,
0: if you don't walk for long enough, like, it does take you a bit to recover that muscle memory.
1: And he was in a coma for a while, so... He went through intense physical therapy to regain his motor skills, determined to get back to playing shows with Slayer as quickly mm. as possible. The day came on April 23, 2011, in Indio, California, when Jeff made a surprise appearance at the first show of the Big Four concert series. He'd been practicing for months, but he still wasn't in top form. Mm-hmm. Still, he graced the stage for two songs during Slayer's Encore, Ripping Through South of Heaven and Angel of Death, still one of his most controversial songs. Dude,
0: but that must have been so fucking sick if you're at that show when he just, like, comes on out for the encore
1: like, holy shit, it's Jeff. Yeah, and he's got his mangled arm.
0: His (laughs) mangled arm just comes out.
1: Mangled arm! arm.
0: Okay, I'm glad we both (laughs) went there.
1: The show wasn't as triumphant a return as everyone had hoped. Even just playing two songs, it was obvious Jeff wasn't in top shredding shape. Mm. He wasn't willing to put in the work to get there either. He didn't do anything beyond practicing playing guitar. He refused to go to physical therapy, oh. effectively sabotaging his own future with Slayer. Oh, just
0: go to physical therapy, dude. Just go bad. to physical
1: therapy. It's actually kind of nice. You get massages.
0: It's great. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I've done physical therapy. Like, they make you do a couple of exercises that suck, but that fucking massage. And you get to watch daytime TV. Body massage. It's Body nice. Massage. Body
1: massage.
0: And he's but- rich, so, like, he could probably like, sit in, like, one of those nice therapeutic
1: tubs, too. I mean, he's not that rich. Oh, He's richer than me. We'll, we'll get to it a little bit. Oh, OK. Soon. As 2011 gave way to 2012, Slayer planned an international summer tour. They hoped Jeff could come back for it, but kept Gary Holt on retainer because honestly, it didn't look like Jeff was going to make it. Without physical therapy, his healing progress was stunted. Mm. Feeling pretty defeated, he sank into a depression and his drinking, which was always on the heavy side, got worse. And Slayer spent 2012 teasing a new album that never came. And if they thought they could roll into 2013 without hitting piles of dog shit immediately, they were dead wrong. Oh, no. Dave was back on his bullshit, hiring a lawyer to renegotiate his contract when he once again became dissatisfied with his paychecks. Dave. I feel like we're in Groundhog Day. Dave. Groundhog Dave. Dave. (laughs) Jeez. Just,
0: come on, Dave. You know what? When you learn to pick up after your own
1: fucking drum set, we can talk. Then we can talk, sir. Sir. There are differing versions of what happened next, but according to Dave, he discovered that 90% of their tour income was being deducted as expenses leaving only 10% to be distributed between the four band members. So, if you think about it, say they made $10 million on one tour. Okay. So, $9 million of that would be going to, uh, like, the record company to pay for their expenses on tour. Which sounds probably accurate, unfortunately. And then $1 million would then be split between the members of Slayer. Assuming okay. they don't have to use some of that to pay for roadies or any other expenses they I would like to think that part of the 90 million you would towards think that. but say million, they whatever. had say they had a full million to split between the four of them okay assuming it's evenly split that means only two hundred and fifty dollars thousand two hundred and fifty thousand dollars is going to each member which is not great it's not that much well but then again i mean for a year for one tour, that's not bad. But you would think that they would be making millions each, and they're not. Yeah. Each one of them is making around 250000 to $300,000 well, a year. Well, at the end of the
0: day, the real crime is that so much is going to, you know, the, the record label. company and yeah. all that bullshit. Yeah. So why are
1: you suing Slayer, and why aren't you suing the record label? I don't know. Because it's Dave. Because it's Dave. Because Dave. And, you know, if that is actually true, yeah, I'd be pissed, too. But it seems like the kind of thing they would have known about and not agreed to in the first place. Okay. Because you have to sign contracts when you do, when you, you know, manage a tour, when you figure out an international tour. Yeah. You have to sign contracts between you and the record company, the tour management, the venues, all of that shit. hmm There's a lot of coordination that you would probably figure out eventually that 90% of what you're making is going towards the record company. Right. Going to the record company. But anyway, he then accused Slayer's management of refusing to provide documents that would prove his allegations. <laughs> okay. <dude. laughs> a week before they were set to leave for Australia, Dave went to rehearsal and proposed a new business model for the band.
0: Oh, okay. This is what we wanted to do on rehearsal Because he
1: good businessman, I guess. All right, guys. I got a plan. Let's all meet at TGI Fridays. <laughs> Let's go back to the scene of the crime. Oh, my God. We'll all get electric lemonades. Get some tots. We'll get some Mott sticks. Oh yeah. Get, get that delicious Melba sauce. Assuming we're in upstate New York. They're not. They're not. They, they only got that marinara. Marinara is fine. I don't want that shit on my Mott sticks.
0: I like both. You know what? I do the double dip. I do Melba and marinara. Ew.
1: ew
0: yeah. Fight no. me. Sour and sweet. will and
1: fight you. God. Sal- salty and sweet, bitch. No. Yeah. All right. We'll fight after this. <laughs> Carrie refused the new business model. Dave argued. And three days later, Dave said he received an email from management saying he was being replaced for the Australian tour. (laughs) Come on, Dave. Dave. Come on. You are an electric lemonade. (laughs) He shot himself in the foot. He did. Dave was banking on them not finding a replacement drummer only a week before they were set to leave. How many times have they had to find a replacement for you, Dave? You think they can't do it a fourth time? Exactly. But as soon as he showed up to rehearsal with a new business plan, Carrie made sure he had a backup plan to replace Dave. Carrie (laughs) walked on her and was like, don't worry guys, I got this. I'm going to call Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Soon enough, the band confirmed that Dave was out for good and Paul Bostaff was announced as his permanent replacement. Okay. Where he should have been in the beginning. Honestly. Dave aired his dirty laundry on Facebook because we're in the Facebook age now. I love it. (laughs) Which in the Slayer world is a big no-no. Carrie was really pissed about that and it caused their fan base to take their anger over Dave's departure out on Carrie. They blamed him for being a money-grubbing dictator that ruined Slayer's lineup. This is like having a cousin that's a Trump supporter. Yeah. But then they would turn around and pay $100 a ticket for their shows. So, like, they would bitch about them on Facebook and then buy their shit anyway. Uh, okay. So, like, it's what we do now, I guess. It is.
0: This is how we live our lives. This is us. I guess. Oh, this is us. Except yeah. without, like, like, the Without purposeful. burning
1: crockpots <laughs> and crying.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, no, there's crying still off. a lot of no, crying. No, there's still a lot of crying. But
1: we're not going to let you get off on that. But it's not because of Mandy Moore. No. Or anybody. No. So their lineup was about to face another blow, this one hitting harder than all of them. On May 2nd, 2013, it was announced that Jeff Hanneman was dead. (gasps) People were very quick to connect his death to the spider bite from two years prior, but he actually died from cirrhosis of the liver.
0: Which also, oh, holy, uh, I mean, like I figured it was alcoholism.
1: Yeah. But also, he never took care of himself. Right. Never. Oh, my gosh. Like, hard-headed, I'm not sick kind of, oh, you know. Jeff. Dude. That's really fucking sad. I didn't
0: even know that happened. Very, That's- very sad. I'm dealing with this in real time right now. <laughs> um,
1: wow. It's really shocking and awful. Yeah. And I'm, as, everything I read about him, he was not a good he was. He did not give off a good first impression. <laughs> like how he watches TV. Like, yeah. What's up? But like once people get to know him, they're like, he was an absolute fucking sweetheart. Aww. He might not call you at all, but if you randomly see him, he'd act like you guys have never stopped talking to each other. Aww, he would do so anything sad. for anybody. And he was like a real fun dude to hang out with, Aww. which is really sad it is really sad i mean it just it, that's a tragic way to go and he's
0: probably like what late 40s early he 50s he's only 49
1: jeez yep and he had like a wife and kids too right just a wife they did not have kids okay but, but still, still like but still awful. his wife had been with him since she was 15 oh, oh. yeah oh, gosh that's so sad Though doctors confirm his death was an isolated event, I think the spider bite kind of was related. Even like not directly, it could have been related in a... Psychological way? Yes. Not being able to play like he used to was deflating to say the least, and the depression he sank into caused his alcohol consumption to increase. It wouldn't be much of a stretch to say it escalated his death. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. This was a huge blow, not just to Slayer, but to the metal world as a whole. Mm -hmm. It's true. He wasn't the fluffiest of personalities. He was a recluse, unable to be reached for months at a time. Not the easiest guy to get along with. And if he didn't like you, which was most people, he would tell (laughs) you. But he wrote iconic songs. And the fact that he brought punk and hardcore influences to metal to create a subgenre within a subgenre is worth never forgetting his name. Right. Of course. But he was gone now, and the band was determined to carry on. Again, fans criticized this decision, believing Slayer with only two original members was not Slayer. Hmm. They handed the job to Gary Holt, who was already their touring stand-in for Jeff. It was hard living up to the blistering speeds in which Jeff played, but Gary was doing an A-plus job. Well,
0: and at this point, like, it's not like Gary was a
1: new face. I mean... He'd already Jeff been knew there for a couple happening. years. I had assumed at this point, like as much
0: as he could have, he was performing with Jeff's blessing.
1: Yeah, he was. And like, at first he was like, no, nobody can replace me. But then he, like, he just turned around and was like, but if anybody's going to replace me, it has to be Gary. Okay. Yeah. Then I
0: totally approve of that then. Right. Or Not that I have to approve it, but I understand. Like, I think it's sensible.
1: Yeah. The band hit the road and continued touring through 2015, when their twelfth studio album, *Repentless*, was released on September 11th of that year, they have a thing with September 11th. Oh my god! I clearly, I was gonna say it maybe was it's a, just Fridays. <laughs> all the Fridays they are keep September begging, 11th. Begin,
0: like the second Friday
1: of each September. <laughs> Stop, guys! It was the first album written without Jeff, but nevertheless, his presence was felt as some of the songs were written by him prior to his death. Oh. Repentless is the first album from Slayer in five years, but it would end up being their last. Mm-hmm. Even though they talked about recording another album in the years after Repentless was released, nothing came from it. They just kept touring and kept, Slayer, kept the Slayer train going. Mm. But by 2018, everything came to a head. The band made it official on January 22nd. After one final farewell tour, Slayer was done. But what a farewell tour it was going to be. Hmm. It started in May, 8- May 2018 and went through the end of 2019. Oh, wow. Winding its way around the globe so the band could say so long and thanks for all the fish to as many people as they could. Oh, they recruited the creme de la creme of the popular metal world, picking bands like Behemoth, Cannibal Corpse, Anthrax, Obituary, and Amon Amarth to open for them. Amon Amarth? I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> I love that. I love Amon Amarth. <laughs> <laughs> As I, do, I was I writing li- this, I, I was like, like, pause for Maggie to say, I love Amon Amarth. <laughs> I do genuinely like Amon Amarth. <laughs> They're though. really good. They are really good. They're like kings of Viking metal. They're fucking fantastic. Oh. Chef's kiss. It wasn't completely without drama, as on December 2nd, 2018, Gary Holt announced he had to leave the tour so he could spend time with his dying father. Oh, that's, yeah. Like blow after blow. Jeez. He was replaced with Phil Demmel from Machine Head, and the tour continued on. When Slayer announced this would be their last tour together, a lot of confusion came from that. They initially said they weren't breaking up, they just were not going to perform live anymore. Okay. Eventually, that turned into people saying there would be no new music release before the tour began, but people inside their circle said there was a good chance they would continue releasing new material later on. Okay. However, immediately after the tour concluded, Carrie's wife, Aisha, said on Instagram that there was, quote, not a chance in hell Slayer will ever reunite for anything ever again. Oh. In interviews, Tom's wife, Sandra, basically reiterated the same thing.
0: The wives are like, we will stand up because you cannot.
1: Yeah. But there seemed to be a lot of context behind their statements. They didn't give anything away, but it seems to me, and this is not official or anything, just my own perception, like maybe these guys were just done with each other. Or maybe they're just done with being a big performing band. Well, here is, here's another thing. Oh. Here's another thing that's real fun. Ooh, okay. So... You did tell me I was gonna get angry
0: at some point.
1: Yeah. So it would appear that in the years let's say around the twenty sixteen election. Oh cool. Oh no. I don't wanna I don't wanna Around that time, um Tom said some really questionably conservative sort of pro Trump stuff. Okay. Like it wasn't necessarily pro Trump, it was just pro-Trump ideology. You know what? In 2016, it was a weird time. All right. Yeah. So he posted a Photoshopped picture of Slayer with Donald Trump. Weird. That somebody else had, like, sent to him. Very weird. This is just weird. So but he, okay. So he posted that on Slayer's official Instagram. Even weirder. And the next day, somebody had taken it down. Okay. So he reposted it. Oh, Okay. And he was like, he basically called everyone snowflakes because people were like, how, like, where the fuck did this come from? Like, are you guys Trump supporters? Why would you post this? Like, Trump is a piece of shit. Do you support him? Like, people losing their minds negatively in reaction to this photo. Okay. So that's why somebody took it down. Mm-hmm. But then he reposted it and he was like, this country is a bunch of snowflakes and... You're all just, you know, you don't get it. This was funny. Why aren't you laughing? I mean, you I don't know? really think it's
0: funny. It's, it's not, not like, funny. He was like, I'm not offended by it. I'm questioning it, but I'm not offended. Yeah, but it's also
1: not funny. But he was like, I, I thought it was funny. So in, insinuating you're an asshole if you don't think it's funny. Also, oh Tom, no. Yeah, and then in the past year, like 2020, 2021. His wife posted tons of, like, QAnon conspiracy theory, anti-BLM, pro-police, propaganda bullshit, all of the memes that your shitty conservative uncle shares on Facebook. She was posting all of that shit. God damn it. Like, shit that was clearly not true. Yeah. And Tom would share some stuff like that, too.
0: Oh, Tom, but you have such
1: good hair. I know. And yeah, it's sad. Don't let the good hair fool you, kids. Yeah. Tom's not here for it. And he went like real uh, Ted Nugent with his ranch. They raise cattle, but only to eat, not to like pet them. I don't mind that as much because at least you're doing the work. I wouldn't mind it if we didn't have a horrifically awful meat industry, yeah, in this country.
0: I mean, I don't even eat meat, so like i'm not I'm not here for it, and my biggest reason is because of the environmental impact, yeah, like if you're doing that but also giving money to environmental programs.
1: Great, cool. but if you're doing that,
0: but then posting QAnon shit, you know <laughs> I'm what? I'm gonna maybe say, maybe not. shut
1: the fuck up. Yeah, I'm just, I'm. That's all I can say is shut the fuck up.
0: Also, you know, Ted Nugent also hunts humans on his ranch.
1: Yeah, Ugh. he's. He should just rename it Heart of Darkness mm-hmm. and just don't don't try and pussyfoot around this shit. Yeah, you're killing people on your ranch. We know it. But anyway. anyway. They all had families they wanted to spend time with. Tom recently became a grandfather. He wanted to spend time just chilling with his grandkids. Sure. And his own kids that he barely got to see grow up because he was on the road all the time. Right. And I mean, like, those QAnon memes aren't going to share themselves. I know. (laughs) This cult ain't going to start itself, is it? Nope. Maybe Carrie was in agreement. Maybe he wasn't. These guys have always been notoriously private, and they were going to keep this a private matter, too. However, they seem to be civil and don't have bad blood per se. But none of these guys, especially Carrie and Tom, need to work together anymore. They don't. Right. I I do also think there's something to be
0: said about saying, you know what? We've busted our asses for decades. We've made amazing music. We've done amazing tours. Like, we've done it. Yeah. And Gary Holt
1: never really left Exodus, so he still had them. I mean, more than words. That's extreme. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> Wait, what's Exodus? Then? Exodus was the band that Kirk Hammett was in before he went to Metallica. Yes. But now I really but like. I, I want I... him to be in. Well, fuck! I want him to be in the "More Than Words" video. More than words <laughs> is all I have to.
0: Anyway, the point is, yeah, Gary Holt's got his own thing going on.
1: <laughs> just like Gary Holt in Extreme, and it's he's like, what am I doing here? I didn't ask for this. This is shit. This Looks is garbage. Looks at the camera. This is
0: your fault, Maggie. Why can't you get your shit right? I'm like, you're right. You're right, Gary. Hold. You're right, Gary. I'm sorry.
1: Gary who? Oh, no. He's not that Gary. <laughs> don't don't equate him with that Gary. I won't. He's fine. Uh, anyway, it was, you know, if they didn't want to work together anymore, that was 100% acceptable. Mm-hmm. By the time the farewell tour ended, these guys had been together, consistently touring, releasing new material, and building a Slayer empire for 38 years. You know what? Good enough. And go out on a high note. Yeah. And go out not bad-mouthing anybody.
0: Right. And, you know, Dave ran off to do his own little thing, and poor Jeff passed away. And everybody said, you can't keep going. So you know what? They did a couple more years. And they're like, and we're done.
1: Yeah. And they're yeah, and they're still beloved. And Tom has cows to murder, and um, Carrie literally has a massive snake and reptile breeding program at his house. Great facility. Yeah, that's great. These are the hobbies they have, and you know what? You know what? Dave's got his forklift, and Dave has his forklift.
0: I've been waiting for a guy
1: like you as they walk into the sunset to lift
0: my fork real
1: good aww he aww. just lifts forks just lifts. plastic he's forks he's like I'm
0: the forklift <laughs> and then his kids are like yeah dad you do that joke every we night at it. dinner we get it you're the forklift I'm moving out <laughs>
1: His Mike Patton in his '80s outfit is just in the back going, duh, 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 duh. "Oh my god, <laughs> And he's like, "Shut up, Mike!
0: I'm trying to make a point here." Wow. Okay, that was great.
1: <laughs> that was the story of Slayer. <laughs> I wish the first episode was ex- as exciting as this one, but everything happened in the second I mean, half of their I'm career. not
0: saying the first episode wasn't exciting, but that that was a definite lead up to like Excite Bike City. Yeah. Wow. All right, well, I've Wow. I just I just feel like I've learned so much. I feel like I've been This is
1: one of those episodes where I didn't know shit it's and like, you've sent me on a journey. Then it's like knowledge exhaustion. Almost, like, yeah. Like, after, like, right after you come and you're just like, Ugh.
0: Yeah. You're like, oh my god, like, I'm going to grab a beer and I'm going to have bed beer.
1: Yeah. I just had a knowledge orgasm and yeah. now I need to not think for right? a long time. I just
0: lay down, drink my beer, and just like, like that was great. That's really <gasps> That's good. Really great. This was an orgasm of an
1: episode. Yeah, a, a knowledgegasm. I there like it. Yeah. I like it.
0: Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you guys all had knowledge gasms too. Yeah, hope you're curled up with your beer and/or whatever you like to drink, whether it be liquor, beer, or tea. seltzer, a tea. Nice tea. Oh, a nice tea, which is not to be confused with an iced tea.
1: Get out! Get the fuck out! We're done. Get, We're get just, out! Which like, isn't
0: going to be the same as water tea either. <laughs> You Rick and Morty fans out there, <laughs> but yes, thank you guys so much for coming and listening to our wonderful story, and we appreciate you yeah. very much.
1: Hope you appreciate we, us. We also appreciate metal here. At yeah, Rock we really Podcast,
0: do. So. And then next week we'll have another metal episode.
1: Oh, I cannot wait! It's,
0: I'm so excited. It is a it is an episode. It's a it's another journey.
1: It's another roller coaster, but it's not
0: journey. thank god because journey is not metal it's not but now i might just do an episode on journey
1: anyway so
0: if you guys are digging what we're putting down or perhaps you want to wait for that special journey episode
1: you can go (laughs) check out
0: more episodes at our website rockcandypodcast.com you can also find the links to our social media we've got instagram twitter and facebook maybe we do have facebook (laughs) also you can uh send us an email if you've got any questions comments suggestions i love getting emails we do enjoy facebook messages from people you can also get the link to our merch store where you can buy some cute tees, or maybe like a mask or some cell phone cases i know you do you boo what do you need we got you probably
1: yeah Yeah. maybe probably and also if you want to give us some money You can do that, too. If you don't want our stupid merch, you can just give us money. Yeah, if you just want us. (laughs) If you want more of us. You just want more of us. I don't know who would want that, but okay. (laughs) Some people apparently do. (laughs) You can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. You can give us money, and in return, we will give you a bonus episode every month where Mm -hmm. we just bitch
0: about things. Yeah, and maybe even more bonus episodes. Maybe uh, Oh, maybe. Maybe keep your eyes peeled. Mm. Maybe more will come out. More maybe more than just once a month. Yeah, just cause like let's shake it up a little bit, bitches.
1: Shake it up,
0: do hoo! Shake it up. <laughs> what the
1: fuck? I don't know. Like okay, no, let's sign it's off. great. It's
0: great. Okay, yeah, we've been recording for a minute, so let's uh, we'll sign off. But we will see you, kids, next week. But until then, a party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie, and party on, you crazy kids out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> get out of here
0: Mike Patton
1: we're not talking about you
0: I got a song to sing <laughs> everyone likes me if you give me a chance
1: no no
0: no Mm-mm. get out